We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Hello, and welcome to issue, I just wrote it too, 637 of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your totally professional hosts, Aaron Duran. And I am your other mostly professional host, Cable Hoshtani. Oh, oh. she will show up eventually, but someone thought it'd be a good idea to let Windows update five minutes before the show starts. Oh, oh no, that's a horrible idea. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, no, she's gonna be getting grief from us for that one. That's oh, I'm gonna be relentless too. Wow. Has, has she never installed a Windows update before? Does she not know this? You know, you'd think, but hello, it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have, have you tried turning it off and then on again? Yeah. Mm. I try that with myself, and it doesn't work very well. <laughs> You turn yourself off, and then you yeah, turn I, I, yourself I, I, on. It, 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 <laughs> quite mean it that way. Didn't you, though? No, because I am going on a horrible lack of sleep. Um, yeah, long gone are the days that I are are the days where I can like write until three a.m. and then be functional the next day. It's cute that you thought that that you could still do that. <laughs> All right. So actually, even okay. Everyone is saying I'm quiet. So what's going on? Oh. Have, have you tried turning it off and then on again? God damn it! <laughs> um. What did we do last week when this happened? Well, last time it was Denise's. Yeah, but the, it's also been yours before. I don't know why it's doing this. Uh, ah, ah. Um. Anyway, well, yeah. Aaron is figuring out what uh, what's going on with his mic, and Denise is figuring out how computers work and Manju's going to run across my desk. Um, how, does, how does this one sound? 
That sounds worse. Seriously? Yeah, now it sounds like you're in a cave. Shout at the back of the cave. Speaking of caves, we are going to talk a little bit about um, our thoughts, spoiler-free, of the Batman. Um, And then we're going to continue our deep dive into Avatar The Last Airbender. Don't stand on the keyboard. How, How about this? Sorry about all that. Manju is my technical difficulties. Right. How does this one sound? Yep. Yep. I can hear you now. Okay. Now I don't um, have to turn my volume up so loud. Let me... Okay. How does it still sound? Mm-hmm. Good. Still? Good. Good. Yep. Okay. Still good. good. Um, I don't know why, but the uh, software we use, it, it has like the auto adjustment. Um. For some reason, that thought auto should be just two percent of Aaron's voice. So that's, I, so I literally unplugged it and plugged it back in. That's <laughs> so. Yeah. <clears throat> Fantastic. Seems like the various text boxes also agree. Hooray! Both on on Facebook and and uh, Twitch. Oh. Oh, look who decided to join the party. Oh. Uh-huh. Another host, Senorita. Hey, you're like, wait, we're like, that was five minutes ago. And, and two technical problems ago. Oh, I'm glad it's not just me. No. Although, no. I don't know if you call it a technical problem that I'm like, I got a half an hour. I can run updates. Sure. No, that's literally what came when I were locking you that? Yeah. I thought it would be quick. When no. is any Windows update ever quick? I have a poor sense of the passage of time. <laughs> so I was like, well, when I update my phone, which is like every other day, that takes like five minutes, right? So I've got an extra half hour right now. I mean, sure. The, it also wasn't a half hour by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Look, look, I have undiagnosed problems, okay? Well, so do I. Wouldn't that be a... The di- <laughs> wasn't that the diagnosis you were just shaking at us? No, no, this is the form I have to fill out, um, I guess. And then I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it after that. Turn it in. Were you not paying attention? <sighs> well, no, when I... Got it in the mail. I opened it, but I, I sliced the pages into, you know, the two-thirds and one-third situation with um, with the letter opener. So I was like, okay, I'll now I have to, like, unscramble these pieces of paper and put them back together so I can read them. And, uh, and, How and violently then I, do you open your envelopes? It's not a matter of violence. It's a matter of, like, how close the papers inside of the envelope are to the, you know, the the top end of the envelope so that when you pass your letter opener through, it catches the paper inside and slices it open too. So do you not tap all of your mail before you insert? Like, like I, I know I'm crazy, but I 100% do this to shuffle the papers down so I can then insert my letter opener. 
Well, my letter opener is is new. I got it at Scrap. And so before that, what I was doing was I would tap it this way. Mm-hmm. And and I shouldn't show you that side. It's got my address on there. And then I would ri- just r- manually rip this end off and pull things out long ways. That's so... how I still open my envelopes. Well, go to Scrap and you can get a letter opener for a dollar. That apparently tears my letters in half. Not if you don't tap your paper the right way. I like I like doing the side thing because then I get to do the like the like how Johnny Carson used to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just you making a meal out of everything. I mean, just okay. no actual need to blow into your envelope. I like it. Like, you know, this was us supposed like to be to throwing it. bean shade and not the other direction. Did you notice yeah, that she flipped the script on that pretty quickly? When doesn't she flip the script on? Let's make it. Let's make fun of Aaron now. Uh, That's how Bean do. I think I could count um, the number of times on one hand, except I, I'd still come up with zero. I'd like to point out that I was on the defensive end for you know a good while there, and you guys kept throwing shit at me. So then I switched it up and went offensive. Okay. Smart. Sometimes the best uh, de- defense is a good offense. You know who that said is that? What they say. Mel, the cook on Alice. That's a reference just for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I got, got nothing. nothing. Uh, the original boot to the head. Nope. Nope. Nothing? Nope. nope. It's, it's an old Dr. Demento sketch. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, you know, for being like the big kind of nerd I am, my Dr. Demento knowledge is actually pretty low, which is weird. That is a little weird. Yeah. I like, would have I, figured know, that would have been one of the things that we could have bonded over. But I never talk about the fact that I spent all of my junior high years listening to Dr. Demento in the middle of the night. See, and I didn't have him at all growing up. I don't know how I found out about him either, but he, like, they re, one of the stations in Eastern Oregon or Western Idaho rebroadcast his show because he's from California. I thought he was from Reed. Like, I thought he... Oh, he went to read. He went to read. Okay. No, his show was broadcast out of uh, Burbank. I think I only really knew about Dr. Demento because of Weird Al. Like, that's how I... Bean's like, this is so boring. <laughs> He's like, She's I like, upgraded my... I updated my computer for this bullshit. These they're nerds, gonna they're gonna start. This. They're going to start quoting Monty Python any oh, minute good now. I know. I'm, I'm done with this. Fuck no, it. I left. I left my water over there when I realized it was. T- we were. It was time to log in, and then the computer wasn't working. And <sighs> remember last week when we were on point, like we were pre gaming and text, and we're like, "Yeah, I love this energy. This is great. This is like the total ops." <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the price we pay. We're only allowed one on, one off. <laughs> We have max. Yeah, I know. I had like seven tabs ready to go for all the stuff we were going to talk about tonight. And then now they're all gone. Thanks. Fucking Windows updates. Yep. And I'm going to tell you right now, I already don't like Windows 11. Uh, Remember, you can't get mad when people, when you're old enough that people call you boomer. Because then if you get mad at that, that means you are a boomer. You just kind of laugh and go, yeah, that's funny. I'm old. (laughs) But uh, but Sack picked up on your reference, so it wasn't just you. See. Of course. 
Yeah, that actually also doesn't surprise me, and I'm I'm happy about that. That's good. Um, this was a long way to get to say that I knew of Doctor Demento because of the Fish Head song. Mm-hmm. That there, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Bully, bully fish, fish heads. heads. Yeah, don't don't. Fish heads, fish heads. heads. eat them. Eat up. Yum. Yum. So, do we want to talk about what we're doing on the show, or do you want to tell the folks why we're running late tonight? Sure, Aaron? we are running late because I uh, just had an interview with OPB <laughs> about. You mean uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting? Yes, indeed. Uh, I was interviewed by Crystal Ligori and about season of the Bruja. Um, yeah, and it will air probably on Sunday's weekend edition, and then they might rebroadcast on Monday's. Uh, whatever they call it. Um, yeah, thanks. I might wake up to your voice this weekend. You might on Sunday. That's true. That'll be weird. I well, My radio comes on as like part of the alarm clock, and it's usually weekend edition on Saturday. Well, hey, so you'll that, get to around that time. Yeah. Man, I'm going to wish I hadn't said that thing about you on the interview then. Too late now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't mention you at all. Um, <laughs> it might be uh, worse. No. <laughs> it was at, at best. Uh, originally, they wanted it to air on Friday. But uh, the mask mandate is lifted on Friday, so most news agencies in the area are going to be talking about one thing only. Whoa. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, I kind of like the idea of it being on Weekend Edition. Anyway, that's, Sunday seems like the classier version. Speaking of, yeah. that's yeah. I stopped listening to NPR and OPB um, at the beginning of the Trump presidency because all they did was talk about Trump and then he was on the radio all the time. And I'm like, I, I can't do this. And we just switched yeah, to classical. Yeah. Um, but now I have a reason to, to seek out weekend edition. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. And it was kind of cool to, and full disclosure, Crystal, by, Crystal and I have known each other since old radio days. Um, I mean, if she wasn't interested, she still wouldn't have reached out to me, but sure. it wasn't like we were like, we did not know of each other. So any, and also just kind of cool to talk with her. We used to do stuff on the air together. So it was kind of cool to reconnect this way also. Yeah. Very cool. Very exciting. Yeah. It was nice. But, so this uh, is on the, this is on OPB radio. Yes, and then I guess they'll have a longer because you know how it works. It's a twenty-five minute interview. They're going to cut it down to like eight because that's just how things go. Um, but I guess it's also going to have a, the web edition, which will have a bit more of the interview on it, and that'll go live. I'm assuming after the interview goes live, they drop that stuff. So yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. It'll be weird to hear my voice on the radio again. Mm-hmm. It'll be neat. So, for those of you who are outside of uh, the state of Oregon, uh, you can go to opb.org to give a listen. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how I sounded. So Probably a lot like you sound right now. Well, yes, I'm sure. Although... Or do radio, you mean like intellectually? Yeah, it's OPB. It's not like I'm on here or any other podcast that we've done where I can just... Not that Making we don't... butt sex jokes? <laughs> Bootsicks? <laughs> there it is. Um, God, I haven't made that joke in a long time. Not as long as you think, friend. It only works when you have that owl. It's that owl picture is what sells it. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Bootsicks? <laughs> um, 
one also. There's a face I didn't know I had in my repertoire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, also, regular radio will also alter how you sound a little bit because it's processed differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Look at Norm. He understood the assignment. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, other than that, other than boot sex, um, we'll be talking about. Uh, you started. It says in the scroll. I know, right. I regret it. Oh, Star Trek Picard and Discovery. And I believe we all saw the Batman, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's been a while since we've all been able to see a movie within the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think bef- the well, last time. That we- I guess. Yeah. That, I was going to say that was the last time because we all went together. Yeah. Well, do you want to just dive right? Movie. Do you want to just dive right into the Batman? Yeah. Since we're not going to get uh, delve into spoilers or anything, because that would be a shitty thing to do. Yeah, that would be that would be dumb. There is one spoiler. It's three hours long, kids. Go I, think, to I don't the think that's bathroom. a spoiler at this point. It's like yeah. the probably the top topic of conversation surrounding the movie mm-hmm. was a three-hour Batman movie. Oh God, yeah. Take that, James Cameron. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's still only one quarter of a of a Zack Snyder Justice League, but still, it was a lot of movie to sit through. Um, it's still half of the amount of uh, time that I spent sitting through Christopher Nolan's movies. That's true. The Dark Knight Rises was long, huh? And I only liked one third of those. Yeah. Um, well, I think I could safely say that I enjoyed at least like 80, 85% of this. Which is pretty good. That's a good, that's a good yeah. score. Um, the what? Yeah, we just dive right into it. I mean... Mm-hmm. I liked it, and people might say, well, of course you liked it. It's a Batman movie. Anyone who really knows me knows I am actually hypercritical about how Batman is portrayed on the screen. Um, for the most part, I haven't liked it. Um, I don't like a Batman that uses guns and kills or allows people to die by violence if he can stop it. Um, and I feel like this was the first time that's been the case um mm-hmm. you know keaton let keaton's batman let you know whatever like he literally put a dynamite on a clown and threw him in the sewer mm-hmm. and even though it explodes with you know confetti and ribbons still explodes um i guess we never saw and i don't count any of the Clooney and kilmer stuff you know i mean i count it but it's not like Nobody died in those. Yeah. The only thing that died in that was subtlety. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. My favorite Clooney interview ever is still when they're asking him about when he was shooting Batman and Robin. And he talks about how he's like, you know, he's like pinned to some contraption or whatever. And Shoemaker's on a bullhorn saying, okay, George, remember, your parents are dead. You're an orphan. Everything is so dark. You want justice. Action. <laughs> you can just picture Schumacher doing that, too. Um, you know, I guess Bale's Batman didn't kill, but he had no problem using, you know, machine guns. Which he doesn't do. Batman hates guns. That's the whole point. For one of them. And then Snyder's jingoistic just death-dealing Batman was not a big fan of either. Although I liked Affleck as as Bruce and Batman, but not mm-hmm. the portrayal. Anyway. 
So that's how you feel. Yes. You... Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it more than any of the Nolan films. Um, I, I don't care that there are even friends of mine who are huge, huge fans of Christopher Nolan. Um, I find him predictable as a filmmaker <laughs> in a way that I used to not. I think it was when I figured out the prestige in 10 minutes that I went, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you're one of these guys that think you're really fucking clever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then uh, I, t I encourage you to never watch tenant. I'm not going to. That movie will actively anger you. I watched like two thirds of it and then I had to leave for something, probably work. Uh, it might have been like when I was working weekends last year. And I was like, I don't need to see the end of this movie. I have a pretty good idea of how it's going to go. And then I came home later and I asked him and I was right. It was like, oh, he yeah. saved the girl and <clears throat> timey-wimey. Yeah, it's it's very... Not formulaic, but yeah, predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw someone post today that they said the reason why everyone loves The Dark Knight, for the most part, is that everyone is kind of still taken back by Ledger's performance as the Joker. And he was like, you take him out of that. If anyone else plays the Joker in that movie and you don't like The Dark Knight. He's like, the story makes no sense. It's very kind of fascisty, which is also weird how Nolan's Batman is that way. Um, Nolan's, yeah. Also, Nolan's Gotham PD, maybe in Batman Begins, there's the whole joke about everyone's on the take, but yeah, he, he gives a lot of virtue to the Gotham PD, Nolan's ones, and that's traditionally also not... If the Gotham PD was good there wouldn't have needed to be a Batman is mm -hmm. one of the arguments a lot. So, um, I, I think these directors, their take on Batman says more about them than it does about Batman. Yeah. Hmm. It, you know, Tim Burton's a weirdo <laughs> with, with fetishes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Schumacher nope. is a weirdo with fetishes. <laughs> with, Schumacher is was a weirdo with fetishes. Well, Schumacher uh, brought the um, added the nipples to the armor, the chest armor, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, and, the, and the butt and codpiece shots, mm -hmm. which is always hilarious. Nolan is oh, a control uh, no, freak. Um, no, uh, no nipples on Batgirl because I believe to quote Nolan, he was like, "That would be vulgar." <laughs> I mean, not to, like, defend him, but we do live in a society where it's totally okay for men's nipples, you know, and chests to be bare, but not women's. Oh, I know. Yeah, no. I... So. That's a whole other episode. He's not yes. technically wrong, though, is what I'm saying. No, no, he's uh, not. I, I think that, that that's an entire episode that we could do from the geek point of view. Yes. <laughs> and take... Oh, I don't know. Instagram to task. Yes. Anyway. But yeah, I um I think the casting was fantastic. Um 
I enjoyed the story. Uh, I figured out it, from my perspective, I know why it's a three hour movie. Sure. Because it's two movies they did not want to split up and make you spend an hour and a half in one movie and then wait six months to finish it. So I get it. It's like, I can see that. Yeah. It, like it, if you look at it, it is two very different stories taking place simultaneously that you have two movies. Right. Sure. And you have to sit through three hours to watch it all. I I did think about that. I'm like, how could they have made it made made it shorter? Oh, you could have taken out the, the this part, the, this one. You know, like if you remove this character and the elements that they bring into it, I'm like, that could cut down at least a half hour, forty five minutes. But but it ties in. They do mm-hmm. they do blend or connect. So I, I I don't know that you could have split it up. I think the only way to cut this movie shorter and and make it a, a, a two hour movie would have come at the expense of the action sequences. Mm, because probably. they don't do anything to drive the story. There there sort is of. I mean they sort of do. Yeah, there there is one one part of it, like action sequences, I guess is how you would describe it, that I'm like Yeah, I guess you didn't really need this this whole element, but but then where does your climax come from? Mm-hmm. I I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I know what you're mentioning there. And without being spoilers, I agree. There are, I think there are elements to that that could have been removed and would have trimmed about 15 minutes. There's one element of it I really like. Um, but the kind of impetus that starts it off just kind of felt like blockbuster fare. Like, hey, every superhero movie needs this moment. So we better we better film that. Right. And, and like, this one doesn't really need that. You can have what that leads into. I thought that was really well done, but not what kicked it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I think it's 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 maybe they're like, no, 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 we have to have it. That's what people are used to, especially when we're talking about superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so even though they, maybe, maybe, I feel like maybe they knew it didn't necessarily add to the like driving the plot, yeah. Uh, but they tried. They tried to make it make fit sure. it in there, and, and, and it's not completely without merit. value. Um, and as badass as it was, there's no spoilers that there's clearly a Batmobile car chase scene, um, which is righteous, righteous. And I love that that Batmobile is uh, based on Frank Avella's design. Um, you could have cut some of that too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was a long scene. That was a long sequence. That was like podcast or a pod pod racing. Pod thing. racing. But <laughs> that's what I mean is the action sequences furthered along character development, but not the overall plot or yeah. several plots of the movie. There's um, also the um, the co-motorcycle scene. Oh, yeah. You probably could have done without that. I don't know that it really like... I I would actually I, argue for that. I would have argued for to leave that in if I were editing it. Shows it. the paths. Yes, it's a it, it's a little on the nose. If that's what you're trying to say, is like, oh, they're taking different paths. It, it's not just that. It's 
it talks to about the growth of both of those particular characters and their understanding of who they were when their week started and who they are at the end of that week after a series of very, very intense events. Sure. Like that's the other thing that I appreciate that this, this entire movie takes place in the span of a week. Which is intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much I want to delve into, but I feel like it gives away plot points. Um, oh, yeah, I, I don't think we can do much more. Uh, I will say that I guess I don't know if Robert Pattinson himself. By the way, him doing press for this has been hilarious. Um, like, you can tell he really loves this movie, but he just. He's like, it's a press tour. I'm going to be weird. Like, someone asked him, like, what are you going to do if this isn't successful? He's like, I'm going to quit and go into porn. <laughs> yes, but art house porn. Art house porn. Um, yes. He talked about uh, playing Final Fantasy VII and how the death of Aerith, like, ruined him forever. And, he still isn't, <laughs> and how he still isn't over it. And you cut to, like, Zoe Kravitz. She has this look of, like, you're such a nerd. And he's like, you don't understand. <laughs> Um, he is. He is a nerd. Yeah. Um, um, I did want to say one thing that, again, I don't believe this gets into spoilers, but of all the Batman movies, this one is full of Batman, unlike many of the other movies with Batman in them. Very much Batman. With it is like, like 82% hand, Batman. With his handmade <laughs> cowl. It's like... <laughs> I think I realized that towards midway through the movie going, this fucker's just Batman all the time. Whoa. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I liked that This one also was a detective story. Mm-hmm. Like I got tired of every Batman movie being, well, what are his powers? Well, he's rich and he punches and, and violence. That's his power. And I'm like, or how did he get this particular piece of tech? Where did he get that piece of tech? How did you develop care. this? It's like, no. Oh, he's going to walk a crime scene and notice things that you missed? There we go. Yeah. There's... I, this the, isn't a spoiler, but I do love... There's, it's a scene, because it doesn't really spoil anything, when he's in the crime scene, and one of the cops is, like, giving him shit for grabbing some evidence, and Gordon says, relax, he's he's wearing gloves anyway. <laughs> That's good. Also, Jeffrey Wright, he is always under... I. That dude, I love him in everything he does. Yes. He's always so good. Um, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Jeffrey Wright, the three of them, their dynamic the entire movie is fantastic between themselves and, and just how they, everything they did. Yeah. Um, and then Colin Farrell is, I will be shocked if Colin Farrell does not get a nomination. Yeah, apparently. For Best Supporting. Apparently, like, one of the earliest filming when Jeffrey Wright was on set with Colin Farrell as Penguin. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like, Wright was like, I thought we cast Colin Farrell. Like, who's this guy? And they're like, oi, that's Colin Farrell. And he's like, what? Um, the makeup's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see him, but he's buried deep under there. Very. And then he just gives this performance. It's like, fuck, man. Like, I thought you were great in, in Bruges, but this is something else. Yeah. <sighs> in Bruges is the movie that turned me around on Colin Farrell, even though I saw it much later than stuff that turned me off of him. 
um, chiefly Daredevil, somewhat relatedly. I, I always forget that he's, yeah. I hated him in that. Um, so the, Zoe Kravitz and Jeffrey Wright are actors where I'm like, I don't care what it is. If they're in it, I'm going to end up watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm probably going to be excited about it. Um, Robert Pattinson it has quickly become someone who I'm like, oh, he's in that. I'm in. Um, Colin Farrell. He's no longer a turn off, but he's not like a big motivator. Uh, he, his character specifically are what I think of in some of his scenes when I think about like, you know, because I don't know a ton about Batman, but I, you know, like I know about the, the, the discord that exists between like, the modern, like the more modern Batman iterations on film, versus mm-hmm. uh, you know, like what what the original character was like, and then like the campy stuff from the '60s, and then the Tim Burton stuff that just like took the camp to the nth level. And I feel like they <laughs> did is, a really which, say, which is funny because in '89 that was considered dark, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't well, think of it that way. No, I can, I, yeah, I can see that. I don't remember it finding it campy when I was younger, but looking back on it, I'm like, that's some cheesy shit, man. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like they did a really good job of like modernizing the characters mm-hmm. um, without going like full Nolan on it, uh, not even close, but still finding ways to incorporate some of those kind of cheesier origins, those campy elements in a much more nuanced way. Most of the time, there's that one little bit with Colin Farrell where I'm like, that was hilarious. That was that was a great nod to to cheesier times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is also a movie that isn't afraid to say it's, it's a Batman movie. Um. <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. the other issue I always had with Nolan's issues. Nolan is embarrassed that he's doing a superhero story. He wants to tell this grizzled, hard-boiled crime story, and he has to use Batman, and I always feel like it annoys him. Matt Reeves is like, it's a Batman story, and this isn't your one. They've said, like, this is your two. Mm-hmm. You know, hence why Gordon is working with him. The signal already exists, all that stuff. Cops don't really like him. Um, there Not was all a- cops, hashtag. Well, there's the one that kind of helps him, uh, which I swear in an earlier draft had to have been Renee Montoya, and they backed out. The, um, Merrick pointed out something that I will again leave out details. Um, we can talk after the show, but a, a particular scene, and if you watch that and then watch it through the lens. Matt Reeves was making a very subversive Batman movie. There's, like, it's very much straightforward detective movie, crime noir. But it also knows that it's being seen in 2022 with all of this going on. Yes. Um, There have been some complaints from the Asian American community about an early scene where a victim is a, or a potential victim of street violence is an Asian American man. And 
I get it. I get where that comes from. And this movie isn't glorifying it. It's not. I think at the beginning, I, I can see where a screen, a screenwriter would have gone. We haven't seen this before. And then once they started filming on, we're seeing this way too much. We definitely right. need to keep this in here because this also touches on other things that we are very much, very subtly mentioning throughout the movie. And if you're paying attention, you see those things. We can talk about that in depth in like two months. Yes. When it's on a streaming service and everyone's seen it. Yeah, but I did have that feeling at first too. I was like, oh, this feels really awkward and rough to watch. But they, because it feels very real. That's probably it, yeah. Um, We're, what, th- two weeks away from a woman who had been pushed off of a subway platform in front of a train? Yeah. Um, An Asian woman? So. Although I that, heard about this. That scene also really, like, sets the tone for the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me want to bring up the... I fell in love with the film score. It was so good. I wanted to bring this up because two days. I know that you guys don't like you guys, the two of you definitely spend a lot more time thinking about and enjoying theatrical scores than I do. Mm -hmm. I don't really tend to think about or notice music in a film, but every time that the, the, the mood of the story changed, like once we went from like one setting to another, and so like the music changes with it. I notice it every time, all three yeah. hours. Um, and I don't know if it was because a lot of it like had familiar vibes or origins, um, but it's I, I I noticed it because I don't typically. I noticed how much I was noticing something I don't typically notice. Yeah, the score was like an, the score was part of the story. It felt like a part another character. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like the Greek chorus that is in the background. You know, kind of setting the mood for what's happening. Um, yeah, and just that opening, a little bit of spoiler, that opening shot where all you hear is the boot steps, and he comes out of the shadows, and that music is swelling. I was like, oh, I am so. They're gonna have to screw up really hard for me to not be down for this part. You know. The uh, so the music is uh, by Michael. I'm going to screw up a name. I'm sorry. Giacano. It, it's what? Giacano. Giacano. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Giacano, um, who I've been, I see, I watch, and there are things that I will notice in movie and television scores, and I'm like, this sounds familiar, and his name will pop up. I'm like, that's why. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Beyond. He did all of the music for Star Trek Beyond. He did the ah. opening theme sequence for Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, he um, also did the 2009 Star Trek too. Yep. Yeah. You, he's He has been slowly working his way up through the ranks and getting more and more film scores. So if you've noticed his work in the Batman, go back through some of your, your movie watching and you'll find his name. There's score composed by. Yeah, he's uh he's the Incredibles, mm-hmm. uh, the Spider Man movies, the the new ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he'll do like Jojo Rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's um he is he did the reimagined uh, Space Mountain. 
they kind of updated the Dick Dale, you know, surfer guitar. He did that one. He is, uh, I, I think what is amazing about this score is that it feels like it's something I've been listening to for years because it's automatically that memorable. Yeah. And that it is informed by, but not in any way shaped like music that we've heard from Batman movies before. Like it's definitely informed by Danny Elfman, but it doesn't sound like Danny, Danny Elfman's music. No. And that's, that's skill. <laughs> that's, that's quite a skill to pull off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Uh, but yeah, that one. Um, also, look at the track listings for the album. It's kind of hilarious. Oh my god, they're great. Like, I think track one is just called You Can't Fight Hallow- uh, City Halloween or something. Yeah. They, he's a big fan of puns in track titles. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brad said he did Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, even his video game stuff, he did a lot of the early aughts Call of Duty uh, Medal of Honor games, which have killer soundtracks. <laughs> um, uh, Zoe Kravitz like finally gave me a a cinematic. Well, that's not fair. Michelle Pfeiffer rocked as Catwoman. I take that back. I a still modern, think a modern take on a Catwoman. I guess I think that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman still sets the bar for cinematic Catwoman. Um, Zoe Kravitz easily. Use those parallel bars to do some great flips. Um, but isn't isn't Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, Selena Kyle also the one who goes crazy in in the process of becoming Catwoman? She does. Yeah, I have a hard time with that take, only because we're like the take in ninety two is yes she she was driven crazy by that. The take now is she wasn't driven crazy by her transformation into Catwoman. She was driven crazy by the fact that she spent a decade working for Max Shrek, who is a horrible human being, and took away all of her agency. She didn't go crazy. She became who she actually was. Right, right. No, no, no. What I mean is, like, in my – admittedly, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, but I, the way I remember it is, like, she's literally, like – having like a manic episode and and then she she decides she's going to be this you know cat this this villain who acts like a cat none of that she's killed she's killed and brought back to life by cats oh my god that's even worse and that's not michelle pfeiffer's fault uh although she agreed to it um no, they, she's brought back to life by cats because they're, they they the whole like, concept is that she was killed in such a manner that whatever spirit went back to her to bring her back to life went, yeah, this is an injustice that we aren't going to let stand. You have to kill. You have to fix this. That's so an interesting it, way to look at it. Yeah, she's it's complex, and I read a lot more into it. I think. Oh, so that's um, a lot more credit than I than I ever gave it. It, but, it went downhill when they tried to explain it in the Halle Berry Catwoman movie because that was a direct sequel, <laughs> which is hilarious. Oh, I don't remember that being yeah, so closely she, connected. Oh yeah, because they they say yes when a woman dies in this manner and is brought back to life by cats, you're 
being brought back by this spirit and this is what's going on and now you have to do this and they like outright said that oh yeah Catwoman oh, I must the have Catwoman movie that. is a fucking mess or maybe I didn't even watch it I don't know I'm not a Halle Berry fan um, all this to say like I I'm with you on this new iteration of Selena Kyle like she her she's she's not like a crazy cat lady she she is a a woman who has had some like very specific and difficult things happen in her life and and they inform the kind of criminal that she is um is she a criminal (laughs) she does she does only rip off rich white people she she is a breaker (laughs) of the law however you feel about that um the law is not justice. Right, but I didn't say anything about justice. Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> um, so she she's a criminal in the technical sense of the word, yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, which I also like the fact that never once is Batman like, I gotta bring you in. And he's like, I I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just don't no. kill. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um In fact I like that they're initially confrontational, but it makes sense because in that moment, it makes sense for them both to be like, what the fuck, and have a quick little fight. But then that's gone almost instantly. It's like, yeah. no, I, I think we can work together. I, and, I and do this. I think at this point, we, we have to save all of this. Like, again, two, I three know. months down the road, we will do a deep dive. I say we can just do it in a month. That gives people plenty of time. <sighs> well, it depends. Mandates are being lifted, and that means people are going to be even more uncomfortable. In the out in the world, yeah, uh, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah, the last time um, we it, we lifted mandates in Oregon, it lasted two weeks. Yeah, um, I will say that Zoe Kravitz is now the only actress to have gotten to play two completely different iterations of Catwoman. Oh, is she oh. in the Lego movie? Yeah. Uh, I also like now that it's that the Batman has been so is getting is really good critical acclaim and people are loving her take on Selena Kyle slash Catwoman mm-hmm. that she has no problem throwing shade at Nolan and the Dark Knight folks. Did you hear this story? Mm-mm. No. So she was also in the running for Dark Knight Rises to play Catwoman, and she was told by I guess the casting director they're worried you're too urban. Which wow. we all know what that's code for. Yeah. 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 For anyone who doesn't know, that's co- that's Hollywood code for you're black. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, like if you could argue, like if if one wanted to argue that that's not what they meant, they ended up going with Anne Hathaway, who I do like, by the way, but is the whitest of white actresses. Yes. She is. She was the. Um, what was that role that she got famous for? The Princess, Princess, Diaries. Princess Diaries. Like, you yeah. cannot get any fucking whiter than that. Yeah. Which she is great in, by the way. And Anne Hathaway, by all accounts, is a very good person. I like her, and I think she's a good actress. But, but she, bitch is white as hell. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a, 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 you know, it's not a crime, but it's a fact. Yep. Um, that, that, again, that's part of the the very subtly subversive nature of the Batman. Like, your Jim Gordon and your Selena Kyle are both black. Yeah. Um, 
the best way I can sum up of why this is probably one of the better cinematic takes on Batman is that Ben Shapiro tweeted that this was the worst Batman movie he's ever seen <laughs> and that the superhero has gone woke. I'm like, well, that is the greatest endorsement of a movie I could ever have if you feel it's too woke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, then we'll like jump into Star Trek here, but I've got one little like kind of hilarious anecdote. I didn't think this was true, but apparently it was. Jeffrey Wright felt like he should portray Gordon very formal when speaking to Batman. So the reason why you hear him call him man half the time is he considers that his last name. He is Batman. <laughs> I, I didn't even pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll say like, yeah, man. He'll say man a lot. And it's just him saying like, yes, Mr. Man. Like you are... Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been more formal for him to refer to him as Mr. Bat. <laughs> Mr. the Bat. <laughs> Mr. the like, Bat. Yes. It's how um, the New York Times will always use your first name in, in an article when they first write you up. And then after that... They only lose your last name, and then a you know. So every time they used to write about Fifty Cent, they'd say rapper Fifty Cent, and then from then on, it was always Mister Cent or Mister the Cent. Mister <laughs> the Cent. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something else. Yep. Um. All in all, basically, Geek in the City endorses going to see the Batman. Yeah, it's in, fun. in any yeah. format that you feel comfortable to go see it. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I wasn't ready. I was. The trailers looked cool, but part of me was like, it's so dark. Like, can we go back to, like, even just take me back to the late 70s era Batman, where he was, like, the noir detective, but, like, he kind of grinned every once in a while, you know, and he wasn't Bat-God, kind of like how he's become. And this actually didn't feel dark. And it actually, and it's, well, it starts dark, but it definitely has an arc that grows with the character. Like I can't go into more because it becomes spoilers, but again, it's a, it's a subversive movie. Yeah. I mean, it's dark because Batman operates at night, although he was at the sun a lot in this one. I... A lot of sunrises and sunsets. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yep. I, 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 I feel like, in terms of like percentage of day scenes versus night scenes, this movie has more nighttime scenes than mm-hmm. the last couple of Batman movies. Because oh, there's sure. a lot, I hope this isn't spoilery, but there's a lot less, you get a lot less time with Bruce Wayne as a public figure than you do with Batman and and his, you know, like pre-Batmaning stuff. That, yeah. That's what I was saying is that this has 82% more Batman than any other Batman movie that I've ever seen. Right. And is, and Pattinson is, is Batman the entire movie. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, but despite like the ratio of Batman to Bruce Wayne being very canted in one direction, I can see a lot better. It's mostly night, most of the time in this movie, and I can still see what's happening Mm -hmm. and for the record i am not an old in that regard my eyes as long as i have my glasses on i can see just fine i know some people like you know you get certain age and you're like it's too dark i can't see anything if it's too dark not a problem you can actually see what the fuck is happening in this movie yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that alone by itself makes it a 
substantially better movie than anything Chris Nolan has done. Visibility. Bina Rita's review of the Batman. I could I see, could see it. I could see it. <laughs> nice. Well, should we jump into the trekking of stars? Mm-hmm. After these messages, Guardian Games is the first place we want to thank for being our longest sponsor. Check them out at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, I started seeing some ads from Hasbro that there is a new edition of Betrayal uh, at the House on the Hill. And, you know, maybe go into Guardian Games and see, make sure they're going to carry it. I'm sure they're going to, but, you know. This is a good time to let them know that you are interested. Now, Guardian Games, as a rule, doesn't really do, like, reservations. They'll put books on hold for you for when they're coming out. Um, so, yeah, uh, you don't have to pay up front or anything. You can just say, hey, I would love a copy of insert whatever game, and they'll give you a call when it comes in. Um, yeah, all you have to do is kind of, you know, if you, if you promise to, you know, pick up a game, like, pick it up. That's just one of the many services that Guardian Games offers. You can make sure you never miss your favorite game. And, you know, you're supporting a local company that has been there for us during all these lockdown times and will continue to be there for us. So check them out. <laughs> Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You can also find them online at guardiangames.com. And then before we get back to the show, please check out Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. They are your one-stop shop for all your comic book needs. I've always wanted to include that. I always like saying one-stop shop. Whatever. But I mean, but they are. Uh, <laughs> you know, they have all types of books. It doesn't, as I always said, it's not, uh, it's not a genre. It is a style. So superhero, detective, crime, romance, comedy, uh, political, uh, biographical. Like, it doesn't matter. If there is a comic still in production, there's a good chance Bridge City has it or they will get it for you. They also have a really nicely curated all ages and kids section of graphic novels and single issues on the spinner rack. Ooh, it's always fun to go through the spinner rack. Um, you know, and don't let the all ages or young reader, you know, moniker fool you. Some of the tightest writing is uh, is within the, uh, the young reader audience right now. Uh, in fact, if you kind of miss... The Star Wars that you remember as a kid, not to say the current Star Wars comics aren't good, they're fun, they're a blast, but, um, you know, they have the Star Wars Adventures line that's just, it's lighthearted, it's fun, you know, and you can kind of imagine yourself being a kid playing with your action figures in the backyard or in your room all over again with the, uh, with the all-ages Star Wars comics. So, check them out, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue or at BridgeCityComics.com. However you get there, be sure to thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. After these messages, I know. Damn I also it, I know if we're taking a commercial break, right. I could use a, I could, I could top up my drink. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, no any good jokes? Um, that we haven't already said about uh, Denise waiting to update her computer to before the show yeah. started. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Nope, great. Do, do, do. I feel like there's there's another thing. Oh, did you see the thing that I posted on Instagram? Uh, Middle of the day, Merrick sends me this uh, screenshot from Twitter that talks about the uh, Seso Seki, which is the killing stone in Japan. Oh, yeah. That has... Now cracked in half. 
the stone itself housed the spirit. I'm going to use their word, a chaotic demon spirit. And now that it's cracked open, it's considered that possibly the spirit has been free. Um, this is a stone for, this is not a joke. I, I just, it's weird trivia. Um, the Sesho, Sesho Seki is from a bunch of stories about a kitsune. And it always seems like it's a bunch of different stories about kitsune, but it's actually the same kitsune. It's a Tamamo no Mai. And she took down an emperor in Japan, fled the country, took down two emperors in China, came back to Japan, tried to take down another emperor, was discovered and chased until and was killed. And then her corpse became this stone that killed anything that came near it. And now she's free. And now she's free. The corpse of Tamamo no Mai? Yeah. Sweet. Um, so she was, Kitsune is a fox, nine-tailed fox spirits. Um, they are, I, they're considered to be trickster spirits and mobile evolence. Um, and the longer on the timeline that we go and the more I read about Kitsune and look at how women are treated, I'm like, these aren't, these aren't evil spirits. These, these bitches are mad and they are not going to take it and they have the power to not take it. So my, my opinion of Kitsune being monsters changed drastically in the past decade. Hmm. So if that particular spirit is free, there are a bunch of imperialist dogs that can be put down and she has her work cut out for her. <laughs> Good times. This is what happens when you go get drinks, Bean. No, this is a good story. Mm-hmm. Star I'm all Trek. about it. I'm, I'm all about women, vengeful spirits. Mm-hmm. She's got good reason. So, you, do we want to talk about Discovery? Or do we want to talk about Picard? Do we want to do both? What do we want to do? I feel like we should have hot takes. Nah, not hot takes. I feel like we should have our own opinions at this point about I... how Picard season two opened. Yeah. I feel like we should delve into that one more. Cause I feel like discovery is still unraveling and I don't mean that as falling apart as in. Oh no. It's like, we've got two more episodes before yeah. we know what the hell is going on. Yeah. So I almost feel like we should not touch on discovery a whole lot other than it's, it's right. Been, it's, it's, it's like right solid. in the middle of the, mm-hmm. the yeah. big ending. But they've really gone where no one has gone before. So, Eh. No, didn't Kirk and them go through the galactic barrier? They attempted to. Oh, they got pushed back, huh? They got pushed back and got Gary Mitchell. <laughs> I swear to God, if it's some version of Gary Mitchell, I'm going to crack up. That'd, Mitchell. that'd be funny. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I did Sally see Kellerman. Some... I know, man. <laughs> Back when uh, they tried to kill James R. Kirk. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> I saw someone tweet that Star Trek changes their uniform so often that Lower Deck should do an entire episode about how they keep having to change uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'd watch that. That'd be funny. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we could do Picard. Yeah. 
Picard picks up pretty much like real time where the last episode or the last season left off. Like it's been nearly a year and a half, two years since we've checked in with this crew, which was when I think season one was, when was season one? Was it 2019? I believe so. Sounds right. Because filming of season two got delayed um, because of COVID, because their lead actor is 82 years old and you want to make damn sure Mm -hmm. you don't kill Patrick Stewart. Dear God. Yeah. um, The last episode of season one aired in March of 2020. So solidly two years. Yeah. Like just under 12 months. Yeah. So it it was ending just as COVID was getting started. Like, I don't know how much time. In my head, like six months have gone by because everyone's kind of established in their new gigs, as it were. But they have brought up the fact that it's been about a year and a half. Oh, did? Oh, my God. I totally missed that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, like, it's been long enough that they've had a whole season for harvesting wine. Um, one of the characters has passed away. Um, Wait, who I, passed away? Uh, Jaren, the oh. other Romulan that lived with Picard. That's right. His house Romulan. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> it's not what it is. They were there voluntarily, and they were. I know. Him. I didn't mean it that <laughs> way. They were friends. I didn't mean it that way. Um, That's harsh. But I was gonna say houseboy. No, that sounds what. But no. he's but he was a grown man, and, and so then I went with Ron. Let's rewind. Um, I need to also look at being his the name. way the lights hitting your glasses is giving you the shadows is giving you kind of like Bajoran nose. It looks fun. The way oh, it's your yeah. Oh, yeah. my there double bars right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, can I just throw that really it. quickly? I I giggled way too much to realize that harvesting grapes is now just a drone that beams them. Mm-hmm. To the to the pressing, like ah, that makes so much sense, and it's so dumb and great. I did have a split second of like, what just got? Who just beamed in the orchard? Oh, that's they just beamed the grapes in. Yeah, Zabin, Z H A B A N, uh, Zabin. Yeah, Zabin and Laris were. I love Laris. Yep. So they worked for Picard. They are former. Um, not Obsidian Order, that's Cardassians. Tal Shiar. They're former Tal Shiar agents of, of the Romulan Star Empire. The comic that preceded uh, the first season of Picard explains who they are and why they live with and work with Picard. Right. Because he saved their ass. And they, uh, they saved him and it was, yeah, they, they had a mutually beneficial relationship. And he's like, what do you think about wine? <laughs> I like that they also are the ones who decided to hide guns everywhere mm-hmm. in Chateau Picard. And the attitude was basically <laughs> like, well, you really can't take the Tao Shiar out of the Romulan. Like, it's always kind of there. <laughs> no. It, it, and, like, that was kind of, I think, implied of, like, oh, he just lives on a farm out by himself? Yes. With two Romulans. Oh, we're never getting in there. No. 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 Y- you weren't. Because they will <laughs> just fucking kill you. <laughs> um... I, I really liked how it opened. I and I'm also but I'm a big fan anytime a show does the look where everyone's doing now and everyone seems kind of relatively happy. Yeah. You know, even mm-hmm. Seven who's just in fights, you know, she's doing what yeah. she wants to do, running the Fenris Rangers and um 
yeah, I love that what's his name is the first full Romulan to graduate Elnor? the academy, Elnor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that both Rafi and Rios are back in Starfleet, that mm-hmm. they have um, come to grips with their own issues with Starfleet and their own personal demons. And not only are they back in Starfleet, they are flourishing. Yeah. Um, um, I, I like I, that Starfleet looks kind of cool again. Mm-hmm. It does. It, it feels very adventure-y. Uh, yes. The new Stargazer looks really pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that there's a USS Hikaru Sulu out there. Uh, yeah. Um, the new, uh, the new uh, Excelsior. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you're on Twitter, the guy's name is it's Brad something, I think. He was the ship designer. He did... He basically posted the 3D renderings of every single ship you see in that scene against the Borg diamond. Oh. All of them. Like, what inspired them. Um, uh, they have now officially canonized Lieutenant... Or they have canonized Captain Uhura. Good. Um, the, there's a ship you see Picard walk. I forgot what ship it is, but if you read the you know like the small print on it, you know, it gives... You know, as commanded by Captain Neota Ohura, this, you know, these years. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it just felt, it felt very uh, hopeful. It, it was that thing that I like that Trek does and being like, we acknowledge that we have not achieved a utopia, but we will keep working to get there while exploring. Mm-hmm. Well, they mentioned that no longer, or, uh, synthetics are no longer <laughs> banned. Right. Uh, but above and beyond that, Soji is like a diplomat now. Which makes mm-hmm. total sense. Yeah, and so now she's just like smooching around the galaxy. Um, with with Deltons, no less. Man, shout out to see a Deltons again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and the poor doctor forgetting that she's on, you know, Delta. And like, yes, you're going to get hit on. <laughs> Sorry, Gerati, but uh, that's what Delton do. I was reading something about that in that if you're hit on by a Delton, that's a problem because that's that interaction is what causes madness in people who aren't Delton. If you're getting hit on by five Deltons, you're fine because you're meant. I don't know much about Delton physiology or the backstory to the Delton race. Um, but group sex is a thing. It's um, and it, that's the way they can safely have sex because it's it's tied into some sort of psionic yeah. ability that deltons have. If yeah. you're having sex with one delton, then it can literally break your brain, and not in a good way. Um, one of the one of the Star Trek Titan books mm-hmm. offhandedly mentions that because there's a quick little see. I forgot which book it was where. They're having it's just banal like crew crew placement and stuff. And Deanna says, "By the way, we'll, you know, we're we're coming up on um, that's weird. We're coming up on Lieutenant whatever's you know it's the religious holiday. She's like, so we're gonna have to put him in a spot where no one's gonna hear. And he's like, oh yeah, no problem. We'll we'll make sure that's fine. Um, yes, Batman. Someone said Batman. That's oh, no, I'm laughing. I'm laughing about Scotts. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're not going to do it? No, I'm trying to move on. Trying to be good. Oopsies. Oopsies. There you go. Um, uh, also, I I, uh, I gave a little hoot when, um, <laughs> when uh, Captain Rios sat in the chair and said, Dale. Like, that's, like that's his make it you know whatever and i love mm-hmm. to like make it so she's like oh the the weight of legacy I, I i saw this come up in the chat and i and i i, I want to talk about it um i had the same thoughts uh rios never smoked his cigar it is a fidget device he didn't never lit it he gets close to lighting it. He lights his lighter a lot. Yeah. He plays with the cigar. At no point does he smoke it on the bridge because it's his fidget device that keeps right. him focused. It's like, that's actually neat to see in a captain. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm i going, you know, a million miles a minute. I need things in my hand to keep me busy so that I don't get up in all everyone's business. That right. that's my read on what that was. It's like I'm I not going to smoke that. it because I, I, I totally was just like that's an affectation. But it feels like a purposeful affectation rather than because captains can't smoke on a Federation starship. That's that's not a thing. <laughs> do you think he's allowed it? Well, I mean, do you think he can smoke in his quarters? Probably. Just, yeah. But I don't think he can smoke on the bridge. I mean, you have to ask you have to ask your captain if you can have your soda on the bridge. <laughs> that's a that's a different that's a different Starfleet. Just let me have it. Still no cup holders in Starfleet ships. <laughs> nope. Um. Yeah, I I mean, I just I really liked where the episode is is going. Mm-hmm. Um. The only thing that I thought was odd was when everyone's like. Here's this weird green energy and a really creepy ship coming out of it. And we're hearing thousands of different voices speak at once. What do you think that is? It's a little obvious. Come on, guys. I mean, I think it was supposed to be obvious for us, but like they explained, it's like the Borg are effectively dead in their time. I guess that's true. Janeway took them out. Yeah, I guess that's true. So they, and we're... At least a couple decades away from. Yeah, I do like that they acknowledge that they started using certain Borg technology integrated into Starfleet ships. I remember when they first mentioned that, I was like, "Well, that's not going to bite him in the ass later." Uh oh. Um, spoilers! It bit them in the ass immediately. Spoilers! Yeah, yeah. What an opening, man! That was like shadows of cause and effect. The Enterprise blows up in the first twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Um. Yeah, it was, uh, and I like how the gang was all brought back together. It it made sense to me. It worked. Um, um, having Guinan back is great. Oh. Um, that was nice, but I kind of got the vibe that it was going to be a one-time thing. We might see her again, because she's Elorian. They live a long time. And she's also not wholly affected by changes to the time stream like if yeah. something changes she goes something's nope something's wrong. off like mm. somebody moved 
Somebody moved something. This this piece of furniture on a cosmic scale has just been moved, and I'm aware of it. I just don't know what the hell happened. Where'd the Klingon go that used to work on this ship? Right. <laughs> like Klingon? There are no Klingons here. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, Aaron, I think you know this. Denise, do you know much about Patrick Stewart's Sir Patrick Stewart's personal life? Um. Oh yeah. I know he likes pit bulls. Yeah. That. That that's still true, um, and he's uh, he's BFFs with Ian McKellen. He's also a very uh, strong supporter of uh, feminist issues and women's rights, which comes from his upbringing by his mother, who was apparently abused by her husband a lot. Mm. And as soon as there are elements introduced in this episode, I'm like, oh, oh. Well, we're getting a very special season of Picard where we get to see what Patrick Stewart has Sir Patrick Stewart has been talking about in therapy for the past ten years. Yeah. More yeah. than that. Yeah, that one hundred percent scans. Yeah. Like it, that hit really hard. Um and that and the whole whole thing with Laris and the constant denial. I'm like, oh man, this is like every British period drama I've ever watched. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely tell that this is, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of like pew pew ships, mm-hmm. you know, ship dog fights, but, but there's going to be some down Abbey shit, by the way, dog <laughs> fights, but there is going to be some like serious uh, tackling of personal issues uh, mm-hmm. in this season. And, and it makes sense because like, even if you, if you cut out the parts that are personal to, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, the character Jean-Luc Picard has like some definite hang-ups, you know, mm-hmm. with like the how much he hates kids and like the fact that he's never been in a long-term serious relationship. Um, I hope that's not giving too much away about this, this season oh, we've, or we've what, been talking what we're about, anticipating. We've been talking spoilers this entire time. <laughs> Yeah, Batman was pre- no spoilers. Picard is full spoilers. Picard Everyone knows that spoilers. we talk Star Trek in depth on this show. Yeah, mm. very well. Um, stopped us forever. Still stopped us from getting invited to the fucking virtual screener that happened the day before. But whatever. Did it? Not- oh yeah, like anyone who even mentioned Star Trek once, like Paramount's, like come to the virtual screening room with us on the day before the Picard airs, and I was like. Uh, well, fuck you, Paramount. Hey, what? That doesn't help. That's the... <laughs> oh, good whoops. job, Bean. Nailed it. They already snubbed us. What do you want? Um, There's anyway. still more Star Trek that comes out this year. <laughs> Strange New World is in May. Yeah. I want to be in Captain Pike's virtual room. <laughs> what we're saying is, Yes, we don't have Star Trek in the title of our show. We still talk a lot of Star Trek. Anyway. <laughs> All right, yeah, just cut, just cut that and post. No, it's funny. <laughs> so, and then you have to cut out all of this too. Yeah. Anyway, all this to say, yeah, clearly, um, we're we're really gonna like dive into some like Picard. Why are you so messed up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think that's gonna become. Yeah, I. I'm curious how the time travel-y stuff and alternate, because this isn't, from what I can tell, this isn't, hey, what if I, what if Terran Empire? This is not Terran Empire. 
as like Q said, this is the road not taken. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of the road not taken. Yeah. Also, um, I love that little quick moment with John Delancey age, aging himself. <laughs> He's like, you've gotten old. Let me fix that. <laughs> the man who had five minutes of screen time in this episode, he used every single second. I love John Delancey. I know was... Bean's not a big Q fan, but I think he's going to... It's not John Delancey I have a problem with. It's the Q character that was just always so fucking much. I, I I like the fact that he is the sinister, I have no idea what his motives truly are version of Q yeah. that we originally got introduced to in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, and saw shades of in All Good Things. Mm-hmm. It was that, yeah. Uh, and I even remember in All Good Things that like he tells them, like, the trial never ends. Mm-hmm. Which he is did I think, say that. Which is why I think a lot of fans were always bummed. Like, we never got the Q movie. Like, you tell us in the final episode the it, the trial never ends, except it did. You know? um, so, I really, I like a lot of that. Um I'm curious to see what happens. Um, I mean, obviously, but... Um, oh, yeah. Steve was mentioning that there's going to be some 20th century shenanigans also. I think a lot of it. That'll be... That'll be really interesting to see, like, what they're going to... So... The the, the whole point mm-hmm. of... I mean, this might be a little bit too general but like normally when when in star trek they time travel to our time or like a not too distant past of ours here in the real world it's usually to make some commentary about how we fucked that time up oh yeah uh, as a society and um now if they're going to travel back to probably us here nowish or a little bit before that and I'm, I'm like, wow, you really, what are you going to pick to dissect and I, like, throw back in our faces? I kind of think just from the trailers is what if Picard fascist? So <laughs> here's the thing. It takes place in 2024. Yes. 2024 has already been established as a year of all kinds of shit going wrong. In Star Trek. Deep Space Nine did two episodes in 2024. It was the Bell Riots. Oh. So that's the reality that they are beaming into. They've mentioned that, that it's like, no, no, we're still holding to all of that prehistory canon. Yeah. So this is, they're beaming, or they're getting transported to the year that the Bell Riots took place. But probably in some other part of the world that is fucked up. Well, I think it's LA. And the Bell Riots were San Francisco or Seattle? I think San Francisco. I think San Francisco. That Yeah. San Francisco. Because, because everything was centered around San Francisco because that's where Starfleet Academy is. That's right. And LA just makes sense because it's cheaper to film. If, you're yeah. all, if, if everyone's there, you film. If you're going to do flashback stuff, whatever, you put in LA. Sorry, I was distracted by this entire floor of lights just came on. Yeah, that was weird. I saw that. <laughs> it's just a cleaning crew, but it's still weird. Um, 
But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pumped to see it. I did notice something kind of subtle that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So after Q does the snap, and, you know, Picard wakes up in a much worse off Chateau Picard, mm-hmm. uh, under a shield, mm-hmm. uh, which is not ever a good sign, um, I notice he's moving as a much more frail man. And then it hit me, oh, this Picard is in a synth. Right. I this didn't Picard, even catch that. This Picard probably has his original human heart. So this Picard is going to feel the weight of his years more than the Picard we know now. Mm-hmm. Which I think will also do something interesting. Uh, yeah, Steve, it kind of did look like a Highlander shield, Highlander too, but we're not talking about that. How dare. Um, and they confirmed that season three is the last one. They just wrapped it. Like today. Oh, good. I like it when things have an end. Yeah. Yeah, apparently as soon as they wrapped season two, they had like a week off. and They're like, let's just do season three now because who knows? Like we have it. It's written out. Let's do it. So um, that's, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a super strong start. I think it's probably one of the better premiere episodes that Trek has had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it helps that they're with characters we know. That always helps. I, I think it definitely felt a lot more like a Star Trek episode, a Star Trek episode than the first season of Picard did. Yes, yeah. The first season of Picard felt very Star Trek adjacent. Yeah, mm. which is fine because well, he it, was much more removed from Starfleet and the people that he was close to in Starfleet at that time. Yeah, yeah. And now all the people that he's close to are back in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. I do have to say, just as a side note, uh, having the La Serena in the now being Seven's ship, I really liked hearing Spanish being spoken on the bridge of a ship. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It's like I don't know, I don't know what you're saying. I just, I just like hearing it. It's like that's, I feel that's kind of what's missing on some Starfleet ships is native earth languages being spoken so it's not just american english all the time yeah i mean discovery had that great scene that explains that like actually everyone is speaking their native language but the translator creates whatever it creates this english yeah we're not going to go down the road of the universal translator and (laughs) my issues with that piece of shit technology But it did give us that great moment with Saru when he's like, "Does any did any of you bother to learn any other language?" And they're all like, mm. "Nope, <laughs> no." <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm super pumped for it. Uh, man, there's a lot of good TV that's dropping on Thursdays now because we get Discovery, Picard, and a show we will probably talk about eventually. Our flag means death is also on Thursdays. All right, that that I was wondering if I was going to have to start watching that one. It's a lot of fun. I I, I mean, I do want to watch it. I just didn't. Charmingly violent. Mm. It's Taika. Yeah. What have you done, dog? Um, I know at the end of this month uh, will be Moon Knight. Yes, I'm very excited for that one, even though I know very little about 
I don't think you have to know anything about Moon Knight to yeah, enjoy it. To. I think. Well, the I'm going to cram anyway. I think the more you know about Moon Knight and the more of a fan you are of Moon Knight, like if you're one of those 567 people who are <laughs> diehard fans of Moon Knight, that's not a slight. That's like they are, they are a very niche group and they are very obsessive. There are no casual Moon Knight fans, really. No, and good. Like I try to be, and I, it's like I can't. Um, I think if you were one of those five hundred sixty-seven people, you're going to be hypercritical of the TV show. So I think if you're, if you know that Moon Knight exists in the Marvel universe, you're good. You're good to yeah. go. I I meant like a few years ago, I mentioned to someone that like I dig Moon Knight. And they weren't checking my nerd cred. They just assumed that because I said, I dig Moon Knight, that I would be one of those 567 fans. And they just went deep on the lore. And I went, oh, I just think he's cool looking. And I dig the comic. <laughs> and he went, and the guy looked at me like, what do you mean, just cool looking? I'm like, he's cool looking. You know, the powers are kind of sweet. Like, you know, connect to the moon. And outfit's badass looking. And sometimes he flies a crescent jet. And that's cool. His, his name's Spectre. That's righteous. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit talking to you then. <laughs> you scared me. I hear where you're all coming from. I'm still going to read a bunch. No, that that's, that's fine. fine. But I mean, like, when you say I'm going to read a bunch, are you going to go read a couple of the more recent books? Or no. are you going to go get an omnibus? No, no, no. You guys gave me, um, like, some some specific names to to check out and I had Christian Yeah, those are all modern. Snag me. It's all not modern. what I want. No, it will be fine for watching this show. Mm-hmm. It's not the original you're going back into like omnibus level 70s Moon Knight books going, "Oh, this is crazy." That's that's not my current intent. It's not don't. off the table, though. No, don't do that. It's too too goofy. What? Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be one of those. The more you know, the more you'll be hypercritical of it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Aaron talks about Batman at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, then that depends on like whether or not I'm actually like particularly taken with the character, which we mm. don't know yet if I will. Um, Scott. Uh, is t- telling us about when he was seven and created a character named Night Raven, who was basically just Moon Knight with no cape, and I think nice. that's wonderful. Also, the fact that there isn't a comic character called Night Raven actually seems pretty unforgivable right now. There is a character named Raven, right? Yeah, and there's a Night Wing, but we don't have Night Raven. That, that is sounds- kind of a surprise. That sounds like some dope ass amalgam comic stuff. Oh, amalgam comics. They were better than they had any right to be. Hell yeah, they were. Fucking Dark Claw merging Wolverine and Batman. Or was it Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm hmm. Doctor Strange Fate? Mm hmm. It's the best. Um, The Amazing Spider Boy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was Storm just called Lightning? No, Storm was called Amazon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was it was righteous. Mm-hmm. I gotta dig some up. Go find them. They were ridiculous. Yeah, I like that Dark Claw's nemesis was the hyena, which mm-hmm. was an amalgam of the Joker and Sabretooth, which is huh. terrifying. And his Robin was a mix of Grayson and Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. 
Speed Demon, the oh, Flash yeah. plus Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, badass, was man. Steve. Oh, Jesus. Oh, and it was Frank Castle and Diana Prince called Bullets and Bracelets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Castle and Prince. Ridiculously wonderful. It was so good. Oh, man, I got to go read those. Well, that seems like a good place to kind of wrap up the night. Yeah. yeah On the Amalgam Universe. <laughs> so, no Avatar this week. We'll have to get to it next week. Yes, we will have some more Avatar next week. Did you all watch the four episodes? I no, did. I and I did the notes and everything. That's right. Excellent. Because I've right. become hyper aware of like how bad I've gotten at doing certain things, I'm working really hard lately to to not be super bad at doing them. This won't last, you guys. So enjoy I, it while you can. I, I will enjoy it. I, I will. I will take notes when I watch it. I haven't. This sounds like a total like humble brag, but I've been really busy on interviews and promotions. That's great. To, you should to be. Any... You're totally totally busy. <laughs> yeah. I I I do recommend checking out the IMDb cast list for the uh, live action Netflix show, so you can kind of also get in your head. As we're getting to know these characters in the animated series, who the actors who are going to be playing them in live action. Cool. I will definitely you know, do that. Things like Paul Sun Hyung Lee playing Uncle Iroh. <laughs> or Daniel Day Kim playing Fire Lord Ozai. That's who we haven't formally met yet. Mm, I'm excited. Yep. Oh, uh Ooh. Dave Blass. Is the the guy who does the truck ships for Paramount now? So look him up, Dave B L A S S, Dave Blass. Okay, he's like been Blass, all... but with a B. Yes, he has been posting so much behind the scenes cool. Like if you're if you're into that like that nerdy part of Trek where you want to look at like every flag design and ship, like follow that dude's Twitter. I I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I never do that. <laughs> Literally, when I saw that thread, the first thing I did is I tweeted our friend Jesse. I'm like, think of all the models we get to build. Nice. Yeah. Flat scans. Uh, yeah. Do you call us flat scans? Oh, shit. I no. totally didn't catch on this because there's a wider... Sorry, back to Picard really quick and then we'll have to sign off. Hmm. So, um, the Klingon Empire has a flag at Starfleet Academy now. I missed that. Yeah, I'm looking uh, the Ferengi, Bajorans, Idik, so Vulcan, Federation. I don't recognize that one. Klingons, I'm guessing the Romulan Remnant Empire, whatever they call themselves now. Well, it's pre-Navarre, so. Uh, No, I know what it means here. Uh, He just posted on his Twitter. Uh, every flag there, every flag is at this uh, at this graduation academy to represent the race of everyone graduating Starfleet Academy that year. That's cool. Fascinating. I love that kind of nerdy background shit. I think already closed that Twitter page, so now I gotta like get yeah. back here. All right. Well, we should sign off for reels. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for reels this time, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Benarina. And I am Cable Hashitani. And we will talk to everybody next week. Bye, friends.